Welcome to episode 26, a special episode of Our Brooklyn Bites. Why is it a special episode? Because it falls on the 1st of April. And that's a holiday because... Uh, I don't... Why is that a holiday? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I, you know, I don't know the I don't know the origin of it, but uh, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's something to do with fools. Uh, yeah, and I'm who's the biggest fool <laughs> of them all. So a lot of people are like sick of yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it's, it's, people are sick of this holiday. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I still find it fun. I like all the internet jokes and the gags. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a prankster in general. I feel like I'm, I'm always goofing around. So this is kind of my day. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. You know, corny and stuff. I, I like some of the stuff that goes around. We'll see. We'll see if anything good happens. Yeah, so listen closely. <laughs> well, before we get to any of that tomfoolery, mm. we've got some of our usual business to attend to. So now how, now that I set them up, how are they going to know what to believe and what not to believe? What I'm saying? It, it's a minefield from here on mm. out. You don't know what's going to blow up in your face. <laughs> Okay. Could happen at any moment. Should I start with some games I've been playing? Uh, yeah, that seems reasonable. You can call them games. So I've been busy. So first of all, I'm somewhat healthy <laughs> again. <laughs> Still not 100%, but I have... In the 90s? Uh, I would say near 100. Okay. Like 98. All right. So I've been able to get back into a little bit of gaming. So what I've been doing is really trying to knock out some of my iOS games because I have, I feel like they've been neglected for a long time and they're starting to pile up a Mm. little bit. So I played through like about seven or six or seven iOS games, Mm -hmm. Um, some just quickly and some uh, I spent a little bit more time with. Tell me more. So first off, uh, I gave Shantae a a chance Hmm. on iOS. Mm-hmm. And I think you're familiar with that from the Game Boy series. Right. This one is, I think it's uh, Something's Revenge, right? Uh, Risky's Revenge, Ris- right? Oh, it is Risky's? I didn't know if I just I think so. wrote that down wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I don't know how different that is from like the original version, but the iOS version, it seemed like kind of a port of whatever it's from. Um, I think it's an original game. It is? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a version on Windows, too, but... I think uh... I I gave it a good hour or so, mm-hmm. and I gave up on it. Just uh, I didn't like the whole game. Well, at least the the part, the beginning part, is uh, you're traveling in and out of the screens. Hmm. So you it's like a two D scroller, mm. left and right, and you got to talk to some people and find some things. And then and and while you're finding things, you have to like certain spot spots on the level. You can jump either into the screen or out of the screen, uh-huh. and that changes like your depth of field sort of and you see and you're like see now you're in the background level you know oh but you're just using that to change the play field in some way sure yeah sort of so there's like six levels of play field and you can go in and out through these like up and down arrows that you go in or out of the screen well the original game had something like that where um you know when you were in the town for example you would you would walk towards a building in that same way. You would walk into the screen, and it would take you into like a shop or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's probably as far. Maybe that that's all I got to is this is like because it, it literally was the beginning. But I spent I might have spent more than an hour on it. I just could not get into that whole hmm. 
I don't know. The music was kind of annoying to me, and I, I did appreciate you know the pixel graphics and everything, but uh, I just no, I wasn't. I, I couldn't see myself playing that game. Is it just a straight up platformer? It seemed like it. I never really got into any of the action parts because it was mostly like talking. You know, I guess it was mostly the town, but they kept asking me to find something and I couldn't find it. (laughs) And I was going back and kept going back and trying to, I don't know. Hmm. I felt like... This game is somewhere on my playlist, so if I find out how to play it, I'll let you know. All right, man, maybe it'll get further (laughs) than me. I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, I moved on to the next game, which is Horn. Which is different from the game I talked about last week, Oceanhorn. Mm. This one's just Horn now. Okay. So, um, it's also an RPG, but uh, this time you're playing sort of like Infinity Blade, I think it's called, mm-hmm. where you're, it's kind of a third person view, and um, you're walking around towns and lands. Um, it's somewhat linear, you can move, like, so you have some control of your character. And then you'll counter these beasts, and you go up to them, and you swipe, you know, to kill them and fight them. You can go kind of circle around them and stuff. Uh, Also, another game which seemed okay. I I definitely liked it better than Oceanhorn. Mm -hmm. But um, after I played for about, like, two hours or so, and I felt like it was a little too repetitious, and I just wasn't, wasn't feeling it. Like, I feel like after two hours, I pretty much know if, if this is a game for me or yeah, not. It was good. moving at a little slow of a pace for me. Hmm. Two hours so, is a good um, amount of time to give I a game. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems alright. It's just uh, the enemies were repeating a little bit too much and, um, and it also had an in-app purchase deal and I was afraid that I'm going to get too deep into this game and I'm going to get to a point where it's going to be like I can't make any progress without spending money to buy, like, certain items. The dreaded paywall. Or or do some heavy-duty <laughs> grinding. Yeah, which I don't want to do either. So mm-hmm. so I just, I, you know, that's gone. I deleted that one. Hmm. So those two games didn't make, I didn't make it very far. Um, I did get through uh, this game called 8-Bit Doves. Oh. And 8-Bit Doves don't is... What's that? Don't know that one. It is from, I think, Nitrome Games. Um, They make some pretty good iOS games. Uh, This one is meant to look like a Game Boy game. Mm -hmm. So it's black and white, or that, you know, greenish color. Right. And you're this guy who's sleeping, and you are awoken up out of your sleep. And you're kind of, like, flying. It's almost like a Flappy Bird mechanic, but you're in this uh, somewhat of a maze sort of area. Hmm. And you have to, um, how do you, it's a weird control setup. So he is like, sort of like the way Flappy Bird, where you, you're kind of always falling downwards, uh-huh. but if you move like the right button, it'll like kind of move upwards. And if you move the left side of the screen, it goes to, um, he'll reverse his direction. Mm. And you ha- it's kind of that weird mechanic and you have to try to navigate this guy to the exit. Um, and he and he's spinning as he's flying too, so he's kind of like sleep flying. And uh, as you're navigating him to the exit, anytime you see a dove, you um, if you cross its path, it follows you. And the more you bring to the exit with you, the more points you get. Hmm. Okay. And that's kind of the point of the game. Um, it's one of these games that's like ultra hard. <laughs> it's like it's purposely done to like really make you annoyed <laughs> uh it's a very hard game right there's like these tight areas that you have to squeeze through so um 
it's, it's pretty frustrating. I did get through it, so I think, you know, if you put enough time into it, you could probably get through the game. But um, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, I, I liked it. I didn't say I want to say I love it. I say it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there was points where I almost gave up on it, but um, for a quick, you know, if it's a free game or a dollar or something, I'd say give it a try. I think there is a free version of it, which is strictly just a Flappy Bird type of game. Um, without all, like, the dove collecting and stuff. Hmm. And that one's a freebie if you just want to, like, kind of feel how the character moves. Um, another game I played that's similar to it, also in the Game Boy graphic style, <laughs> it's called One-Bit Hero. These games all catch your eye, I think, when you're flipping the, the through the... pixel stuff, yeah, I mean... Right. <laughs> they, and they know that, They know it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, so One-Bit Hero is also done um, in that very hard... Uh, sort of like Super Meat Boy style gameplay. Right. Where you're just going to keep continuing dying a lot. Um, in this one, he is constantly, um, it's like an auto, not an auto run, oh, I guess it is an auto runner, but um, you do, you can control the character to go left and right. And um, it's just basically getting to the end of the level. Um, sort of simple premise, but um, the graphics were kind of cool. And um, it's just getting to that end of the level because it is so tricky with the jumps and avoiding. Mm-hmm. The enemies that um, it could be a little tricky, but I know I like that one. I thought that one was a little bit better of a game. Um, another one after that I played is uh, Gravity Duck, <laughs> which is also a pixel graphic game, but not done like Game Boy, more like a 16-bit era uh-huh. kind of graphics. Okay, this one I like a lot. This is uh, very similar to that game V V V V V V. Okay, yeah. It's uh, so you control. One side of the screen controls, like, the vertical, um, like, makes him change gravity up and down and, you know, both sides of the screen. So mm-hmm. you go up and down. And there's some ports and points in the level where uh, you can, you touch something and the screen rotates. So now you don't just control the Y-axis, you'll control, like, the X-axis instead. Mm-hmm. So the, unlike V, where you're just going up and down, this one can be left and right and up and down. So that's basically all you control. There's gotcha. no jumping. There's nothing else. It's just you're just changing gravity. Mm-hmm. Super fun game. I really high. If you like that style of game, I recommend it. It's a little bit easy compared to some of those other games. But um, and are you a duck? I enjoyed it. Uh, you are a duck. Yeah. Okay. Who plays with gravity? All right. So it's a descriptive style. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that one. Um, another one I played, and this is probably the highlight of the bunch, is Traps and Gemstones. Hmm. This is also on iOS. And this is a Metroidvania-style game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost a cross, like, it has a little bit of Spelunker in it. Um, it reminded me a little bit of that old Atari game we played, like Pharaoh's Curse, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, you're traveling in this pyramid... And you have this elevator that you can travel up and down, and you have to collect all these um, like ancient statues, you know, in the in the in the maze. Artifacts, artifacts, treasures. treasures yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the Metroid Salvania, you're going to go into areas that you can't cross yet unless you have certain idols mm. to put on pedestals to open up doors. So you're constantly traveling through this pyramid, you know, going forward, backwards. So there's a lot of like traveling back and forth. But it's never done in a, an annoying way or very, like, um, it's, it's, the game is quick enough where I never felt like it was bogging me down by repeating the same areas over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I actually liked that game a lot. It worked with the controller, so it was almost like, you know, playing it like a console game. 
Um, it, it gives you a map, so it's pretty easy to track where you are. It doesn't tell you where the items are on the map, so you have to kind of, you know, sort of remember what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I did I did it over two days, and by the second day when I went back to it, I had a little bit of a hard time jumping back in because I forgot what I was doing a little bit. Uh-huh. But um, I enjoyed that one a lot. That one's really good. Hmm. Uh, and then on to consoles. So that was my iOS experience. <laughs> so I was Which very was busy bu- enough. I was very busy this week, yeah. Uh-huh. Making up for lost time. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I, I downloaded, um, on the PS, uh, N sale they had, PSN, uh, Home, the Unique Horror Adventure, mm. PS4. And I think this is like a cross buy on all systems. It's on Steam. This is also a pixel game. Hmm. You'll notice the theme here. Uh, it's a pixel game. It's more like a choose your own adventure sort of game. You're this guy, um, you're basically dropped in this area, he doesn't remember anything, and you're you're just basically walking through this town, and you'll come across items on the floor, and you, you can pick up the item or you can not pick it up, it's up to you, so you're creating your own story. If you pick it up, he might ask you, oh, is this, you know, this looks like my ID card, do you think it's my ID card? And then you can say yes or no, you mm. know, so you're kind of creating, he doesn't remember anything, so you're creating the story for you. And then as you go through the level, some of the items will start to, like, sort of give you more of the story, and then you can kind of create your answers around that. Like, you might find, like, your your wife murdered, or you might find some guy, you know, who's, um, you know, maybe he's murdered too somewhere, and you don't really know why. So it's kind of cool. Um, it's a, sort of a short game, maybe like two two hours or something, two to four hours. And uh, there's multiple endings, so depending on how this story ends up, you know, you'll have different outcomes. So I liked it. I mean, it's not much of a game. It's more of, of a lot of just reading and um, just... Not, you can't really die or anything. You're just reading and creating a story for yourself. Oh, interesting. It was cool. I think it was like a dollar, so it was... It was like it was 80, 80 cents during that sale or Yeah, like yeah, that. some ridiculous. Well, that's good. But, um, yeah, definitely, I, I didn't know what to make of it, but it was it's worth it. If you like... If you like, um, like Stanley Parable or stuff like that, where there's not a whole lot of action, it's mostly mm-hmm. sort of reading and... A lot of narrative. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, and finally, uh, the last game, which is also one of my pickups, is Matt Mania. It's, the it's Celebration of WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, so they released uh, Matt Mania slash uh, Exciting Hour, mm. which is... Um, a Technos game, arcade game from like 1980-something, 83 maybe. <laughs> from 1980X. <laughs> um, yeah, this was an old arcade game that uh, I loved playing in the arcade. Mm-hmm. I used to play it on when I would go to school uh, on my lunch breaks in like 5th grade or 6th grade. I would, you know, go home for lunch. And on the way back, they had a candy store across the street from school. And I would pop in there, and uh, I would always sneak a game of Matt Media, and you know they had it probably like a good year. So um, yeah, a lot of fond memories. It never was released on a home console before, mm-hmm. so this is the first time in you know so many years that it's been available outside of Mame. <laughs> so it, it is a you know pricey. It's like eight bucks. This doesn't star but, someone named Matt, right? Um, it no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good question. All right. Good question. All right. I have to ask so, the probing questions. 
no, it has uh, it's, you know it had colorful characters in it. Coco Savage, mm-hmm. he's like takeoffs. They're all like based on yeah, yeah of like 1980s WWF sort of wrestlers, right? Um, the cool thing about it, and one of the main reasons why, why I bought it, is it has um, online leaderboards, mm-hmm. which turned out to be uh, incredibly out of my league. <laughs> like really? everyone's really good at wow. this game. I- I'm having trouble adjusting to the PS4 controller. Mm-hmm. I'm used to playing it on an arcade stick. Right. So I'm having a little bit of difficulty. I, I actually video streamed it the first day I picked it up. And, and this is the thing about the PS4 video streaming. And, and so I've been video streaming things here and there. And I'm noticing, like, not too many people, like, joining in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even, like, like, I think you maybe saw it somehow. So what I didn't realize was this whole time when I'm posting my video feed on my Facebook wall, it's private. It's coming up as private. Hmm. Like, so I'm sending it through PS4, and you can set the, um, like, privacy settings. Yeah. So I set it to everyone, you know, and so I figure when it goes to my Facebook wall, it's going to be, you know, everyone's going to see it. But then Facebook overrides that with its own privacy settings. Hmm. And I didn't know that. So no, I went, so after I streamed it, I'm like, wow, no one, like, I played for an hour, and, like, not one person... Like just bothered to click to to see what I was doing. Yeah, which was I thought maybe it was sort of weird or maybe not. Like really want to see what I'm doing. But <laughs> well, I told you uh, when I saw it, I said, "Oh, you you you're playing this." But I saw it like two hours after. So what happened you was did it. yeah. So because I went in, I'm like, well, well I want to see like did my post show up that I was live streaming this, and it turns out that it was set to only me, like viewable only me. Right. So I changed it to everyone, and then I guess. It, then it popped up on everyone's feed after, because then people started writing as soon as, like, oh, I didn't know you were streaming, or I went to your, yeah. your stream and no, you weren't there. So yeah, it was kind of a little screwy. So, but anyway, um, yeah, Matt Mania. If if you played pro wrestling on on Nintendo, the original eight bit, um, it's very similar to that. Mm. And pro wrestling is probably more, it's less arcade like, more like user friendly, a little easier. But Matt Mania is always, it's always a, a favorite of mine. The only disappointment I have with Matt Mania is it doesn't include Mania Challenge. And Mania Challenge is the two-player version, two-player co-op version of Matt Mania. <laughs> where they, they give two-player tag team, but they remove the character, some of the characters. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the full roster. But it would have been nice to have, because I would have liked to play you know two-player co-op. So. Hmm. The, the leaderboards that you mentioned, yeah, is that, is that yeah. global? It's think? global, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because I picked it up the first... So it's been out in Japan for a few months now. Uh-huh. So and now it just came out in America. So I must have been one of the few people who bought this thing right away. So immediately I go to the, the leaderboards, and it's all, like, Japanese letters and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, scores that are way, way higher <laughs> than... <laughs> like, I think I finished... I didn't even win the title, like, up to the last guy... And I was ranked like a thousand or something like that. Wow! So, so there's a lot of fans out there. I, I guess I don't know. I don't know if that. <laughs> I can't imagine there's a big fan base for that game. But. Mm. but yeah, so that's what I picked up this week and what I've been playing. It was pretty pretty busy. Not bad. Yeah, good mix. A lot of stuff, but yeah, definitely out of all of them, traps and gemstones. If you like the Metroid style games. I think it, uh, it's worth picking up on iOS or whatever platform you can find it on. Hmm. I gotta look for that. 
The graphics aren't great. It's like um, 16-bit era at best. Mm-hmm. Sort of like um, uh, not not too many frames of animation. Okay. Well, as mm. long as it's an intriguing adventure, I guess that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> you need some more adventure in your life? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I can pull myself away from the game I've been playing... What game are you playing? <laughs> I've been playing Besides more. The obvious. I've been playing more Unreal Tournament. Obviously, oh, are you still playing that? Still. Wow, you haven't moved on yet. <laughs> Isn't that like a pre-alpha, beta, whatever they it's, want to call it? Yeah, but you know, yeah, I have to. I feel don't, like. Don't you feel like though, like you're playing an unfinished game? So when this game finally gets released, you're going to be all burned out on uh, it? No, not really. Well, no. like, well, it more. It's more like I feel like it's well, it's playable now. So why wait for it to be done? I mean, um, you know, they're going to add some other stuff, but I don't think, I don't think what I'm playing is going to change that much. I think they'll probably add new modes. They'll probably improve, you know, the, the graphics and the maps and so on. But, but as far as a playable game, it's complete, you know, in, in many ways. Um, the one thing I noticed, I wish they had, um, a thing where you could favorite the servers that you like to play on. Um, because what ends up happening is, like I mentioned last time, the game's crashing a lot mm-hmm. because I guess they're, they're still, you know, different builds are being applied and so on. So some are more stable than others. And, uh, every time I crash out in the middle of a match, I then have to go through the full server browser to find the server that I was last on to rejoin the match. Um, and sometimes I, re- I rejoin too quickly even. I'll rejoin too fast, and my old session hasn't hasn't timed out yet. So my name is still in there, but my you know my player is just not active, and I join with some temporary name. Hmm. So then I notice as soon as my name drops out, then I have to disconnect, go through the server browser again, and then reconnect once more. So as a beta player, do you have to submit reports about that? Um, How does that work? I think well, basically, when the game crashes, it, it dumps a log. And you can you can tell it to submit that log back to the developers. And do you write like a comment? Uh, there's no section in in that part for you to mm-hmm. add anything. But but uh, there's you know there's an active forum going on, so people can go on the forum and and post things if they want. Well, I haven't done that yet, but I feel like um, that's for people who are more actively involved in in uh, improving the game and debugging it and so mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, right now I feel like I'm kind of a, like a mid-level player. I don't feel like I can, I'm I'm used to playing a game like this and being like, like pretty good at it. Like at least among the top players. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm improving somewhat as I go, but there's still some, so a lot of room to to grow. Uh, it, I think it's, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to that point to be honest though. Because I feel like whenever I do play a certain match that I'm really giving a little extra to, you know, really keep ahead of the the top players, the other players that I'm competing with, um, it's a little too frantic. It's a little too manic, you know? Um, there's some players that just seem inhuman. <laughs> the, their reflexes and their level of skill. You don't think there's bots playing? Do they do that stuff? Uh, there could be. I mean, every game of this type has that that potential. Where, you know, people might be using some kind of aim assistance to um, improve their performance or, you know, hmm. their seeming performance. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe they haven't fully implemented all the security measures. 
remains to be seen. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see a change as uh, as the game progresses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's tough. I think um, I, I still enjoy it, but I feel like I could be better. <laughs> so you're gonna keep going at it? Uh, when, when it's straight, when the mood hits. I mean, I don't play that much. When I do play, I play probably thirty to forty-five minutes at a time. I'll pop on. I'll play a little bit, and then I decide I've had enough. Yeah, as I walk away in disgust and wow, <laughs> it gets that bad, huh? Um, I, I just you know it, it, it's uh, it's a little physical physically draining. I feel hmm. wow, you gotta be really fast. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, well, it's um, it's definitely not for controller players. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Well, I guess it's not much of a game then, because <laughs> if you can't use the controller, then I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think I don't think the speed is there. No. Mm. Uh, but in the meantime, this didn't prevent me from buying other games or picking up other games. Yeah, would you add to your collection this week? Um, hmm. Well, so all of my acquisitions this week were of a digital nature. Hmm. Um, one game that I picked up was Aliens vs. Predator 2000 Classic. Wow, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, this was free on um, GOG.com. This was being oh, given out. Told me. I, it's, I believe, still free, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I needed an... I did get an invite to, to download it, but I don't know if that's required. Um, well, basically what they're doing is they've got a client on GOG... Right, that is um, kind of a little similar to the Steam client. Um, they, they're calling it GOG Galaxy, and this is their um, uh, client to you know distribute their games and so on. Because previously, you know their their platform is DRM free, unlike Steam. So all the games offered through GOG are direct downloads. You know you you can create an account and you can add games to your account, but they're all just part of your library when you log in, and you can just download installers for each one of those games. So it's not quite as automated as Steam is, but perhaps this client is sort of a step in that direction to help sort of make more of a front end for the games rather than just have a loose collection of downloads. Um, but the reason they were giving this game out is because they've added a multiplayer um, component to the client. So now you can have like uh, leaderboards and player matchmaking and things like that to maybe even assist games that maybe didn't have that built in initially. So basically they wanted, so this was given out as part of like a multiplayer beta. Mm-hmm. You know, they, want, they were encouraging you to say, this game is free to download. You can do whatever you want with it. You can play it single player if you like, but we are asking you to, to try it out in multiplayer so, so we can get an idea of how things perform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Not too bad. Um, this was supposedly a pretty well-received game. I've kind of lost track of all the various Alien Predator games over the years. But this one uh, came out around 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. This was by Rebellion, which was the studio that was responsible for the Jaguar version of the game. Really? Yeah. So this is kind of a, almost like a follow-up. Huh. Did you like that one? Jaguar version? Uh, I've only played it, like, in passing. I didn't you really... didn't have it? I have it, but yeah. I never really put that much time into it. Hmm. Yeah, I was never a big Jaguar. I wasn't either fan. I mean, I had, I got the system much later after after it was over and done with. 
Mm. So I still have Jaguar games to catch up on. I wasn't into that that game very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I'll definitely let you know if there's a way you can get it. <laughs> I just, I don't know. <laughs> what free is free, right? Play it? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I remember playing it and using the the Predator character, mm-hmm. and then you can change his vision to be... Yep. And that was kind of cool. The night, the night the vision. Night, yeah, that makes that sound. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Right. Um, but apart from that, I also picked up uh, another Humble Bundle. And this week, or last week, I should say, it was a roguelike collection. Really? What's, what's that? And so this was called the Weekly Bundle Roguelikes 2. Um, it was a set of um, games that have some element of procedurally generated content with some light RPG elements, perhaps. So one of the games was called Vertical Line Drop Heroes HD. And this one is kind of um, it's kind of a platformer, but the environment is procedurally generated, and it's got a bit of um, some RPG elements to it. Uh, this is this is produced by a developer called Nerduke. You played it? Uh, I've only watched videos of it so far. Oh. Um, didn't get to try any of this stuff yet because it's uh, way too many. Okay. Oh, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, another game in that bundle was called A Wizard's Lizard. Hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Nope. Um, this is a an action RPG that's got some twin stick action. It's kind of similar to uh, Binding of Isaac, perhaps. Um, but, you know, it's a fantasy hack and slash uh, sort of uh, setting. You have, like, what looks like kind of like a little dragon-like character. And he walks around a maze and is flinging weapons and... Hmm. Killing enemies and things like that. Okay. Um, those were those two were kind of the games that got me into the bundle. There were a couple of others included that I didn't really that didn't seem that compelling to me. Um, but maybe I'll try them out eventually. Uh, also in that bundle was uh, a Nightmare Cooperative, which looked to be some kind of turn-based uh, game, and uh, something else called Road Not Taken. Oh, I have that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like in a forest setting. I didn't you're, play it. I had it. Like a ranger. Yeah, well, that's that's how it. That's it's on how, my list. That's what happens with these bundles. Yeah. You end up with a lot of games that you may or may not be familiar with. It's amazing how many games I have that I just have never played. Yeah. Um, the other the other game that was kind of in that was in this bundle was mm-hmm. uh, uh, called Delver. I don't know if you've seen uh, this one. I don't know. This one um, is an early access game. Uh, it's a first person kind of dungeon crawler. Um, and it looks almost like, uh, it's got the Minecraft style, art style. Mm -hmm. So it's like very blocky despite being like 3D. Um, but it almost feels like Ultima Underworld. So it looks like Ultima Underworld mixed with like Minecraft, if you can picture that. Um, it looks, you know, like it's on Windows and Android. So that's a plus. I think, uh, if I, if I like the game enough, I'll maybe I'll try it out on, uh, on the shield, see how that holds up. Um, but that looks pretty cool. Uh, so those really those three games that f- the first two that I mentioned and this one are really the the ones that maybe wanted to jump in on this on this deal. Um, I think I picked it up for about five bucks, which isn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one more game in the in the bundle for like a higher dollar amount that I didn't go for called Heavy Bullets. That was supposed to be the best one. 
Um, I don't know. I looked at videos of it, and I wasn't that crazy about yeah. it. Yeah. Are you familiar with this game? No, I'm just making that up. <laughs> Damn it. Fooled again. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Something about that game made me not really that excited about it. I mean, it looked kind of cool. It's like um, it's like an FPS dungeon crawler with like a little bit of a cyber- cyberpunk kind of a setting to it. Um, the big deal about that game is is that you have limited ammunition, but you can pick it up and reuse it. So you can fire you fire your gun, but then the the ammo drops to the ground after you fire mm. it, and then you have to you can recover it and keep reusing it. Um, the game just looked a little too fast and a little unfair. Like I, it just didn't seem like I would enjoy it if I got into it. So I kind of passed on that one. So I have a couple of games to check out coming up, I guess. Okay. Um, I also picked up a couple of games from that PlayStation Flash wow. sale. More stuff. Okay. A f- just a couple more. All right. Um, I did pick up um, the uh, home horror game. Oh, the game I played. Okay. Yeah. So it's good that you liked I it. I just told you the ending now. You didn't tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's made up as you go along. So Yeah, it is. Sort so, of. So we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the games I picked up was something that I had heard about a long time ago, and I'm like, I maybe I'll pick this game up eventually. I don't really know. Um, Nobi Nobi Boy was on the list, and this is um, a weird game that was made by uh, Keita Takahashi, the creator of Katamari Damacy. Hmm. <laughs> so was that for PS2, is that a, a uh, classic? That, that's actually a PS3 game. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, the game was also released on iOS. Um, this came out back in 2009. Wow. So, um, on th- iOS? iOS, I think, was a year later. Oh, so, oh, okay. so it's actually on. been out yeah. since 2010. Huh. Um, I don't know. Actually, I went to the iOS page and I noticed there was a message there that said, We regret to inform you that service for this application will be terminated as of 3 30, 2015. Oh, wow. That's so weird. <laughs> Upon service termination, guarantees of operation no longer apply. <laughs> and dates and times given above may be changed without prior notice. So, that wasn't very compelling to try to get the iOS version instead. Um, I think the game will still play, but there's a bit of a cooperative um, thing going on with this game. So, basically, you have this this thing that looks kind of like a worm that you can stretch out Mm -hmm. and you try to get it to do certain things. The game is very abstract. Um, a lot of people don't even think of this as a game. It's just kind of like, um, like a sandbox toy kind of a application. Um, but apparently, uh, players can upload their results and it sort of works towards some other goal. And um, apparently, I guess maybe that's the part that is getting shut down. Well, okay, so I just looked it up on the iOS store, uh-huh. and it is not available anymore. Really? Yeah, it's pulled pulled as of today. Interesting. Yep, it's gone. Wow. So, yep. just barely made that. Yeah. Could have yeah. could have gotten it last chance. The the, the 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 link is still on App Shopper, right. so you can read it. But when you click on it to download it, mm-hmm. it takes you to uh, an, an item that I found in the U.S. store. Yeah, mm. yeah so it might be gone forever if they're not going to support it. I do remember now that you're talking about it, and I've seen the, the picture for it. Mm-hmm. I do remember that game seeing <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I never played it though, but 
It is. It is pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, it's been it, like you can. What happens is you stretch into various uh, lengths, and that length gets added to like a total global running score. So I think, I think um, players are trying to get another character to stretch like into space. And so far, um, they've gone way past Jupiter and Saturn and way out into the solar system, <laughs> which sounds pretty bizarre. Hmm. Um, I, I'm guessing that's still going on PlayStation, but maybe uh, maybe it's just on iOS that's been ceased. Not really sure if it was an OS limitation. It could or not. just be in the United States. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they leave things running in other territories. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows? Well, um, that was a Namco uh, Bandai game, and I picked up another one of their games in the sale, uh, Galaga Legions DX. Mm. Have you seen this game before? I have that, yes. How do you like it? I don't remember playing it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad. It looks fairly low, low-paced. To me, mm-hmm. it's not like a frantic shooter. Yeah. It looks like a very slow kind of a shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I should go back to it. I have it. I think I have it on... 360 and maybe iOS also? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... Um, I'm not sure if the iOS game is the same game. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, definitely interested from what I saw. Looked um, almost a little bit like a Garuga in some parts. But, um, you know, I'll just add it to my shooter library. Why not? Well, shooters are easy. You can just put that on for mm-hmm. a couple of minutes just to check it out. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other game that I got was, uh, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition, the game that you were playing last time. Oh, yeah, I think I bought that, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I already had the original version of this game. I got it for, um, PlayStation 3, and I had gotten it free because it was one of the games they were giving out as a result of the 2011, like, PSN hack. Mm-hmm. The big hack where, oh, yeah. where everybody's, Good like, times. accounts were mm-hmm. <laughs> compromised. Um, and, you know, as a side effect of that, I also got it for Vita for free as well. But I figured, I don't know, I got the PS4 now, so I might as well just get the PS4 version. And um, supposedly it's a, you know, it runs in 1080p now instead of 720, and it runs a little, a little cleaner, and some of the effects are better. So I figured, why not? Might as well actually buy the game. <laughs> and that was also another $4 and change bundle so not a bad haul yeah i'm actually looking up that galaga game now mm-hmm. on ios and that's also been pulled really as of 330 or 331 huh same same message so i don't know if bandai is just going around i don't know what they're doing they're pulling all their apps yeah maybe it's a compatibility issue who knows yeah, yeah, I think there is something, uh, all apps are supposed to be 64-bit, I think, by a certain date, mm. otherwise you're getting pulled on the App Store, so that could be a victim of that, I don't know. Hmm. I'm gonna test, let me see if Pac-Man is still there. That's fine, yeah. Let's check, I'm trying to find, let's see, an old game that hasn't been played in a long time, mm-hmm. like Dig Dug or something, have been updated. And Dig Dug's gone. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe one day they'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> Seems unlikely. Yeah. Well, they used to have Pac-Man Battle Royal on there, and then they pulled that, too. Mm. That they should really get on there. 
Especially if people can do I like know, I don't get it. Portable multiplayer going or it's something. It's such a hard game to find. Like if you just really want to play it, I mean you can down. I now you can download it, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that Xbox version is kind of not that great. Mm-hmm. It's like in a small screen and everything. Mm. So not really a straight port of the arcade. I think it is. It's just um, they don't. It's not stretched to fill the screen. They're using like maybe like a straight emulation of it mm. and it's not like there's no extra feature you know like usually in MAME you can fill screen or do something like that but not in that, that version okay alright well that's it. that about wraps it up for acquisitions and purchases and murders and acquisitions <laughs> let's not get into that <laughs> uh, well I guess we could get into some some stories that May or may not be true. So for the new segment, we're <laughs> going to have... We're going to talk about some stories that sound really fake. <laughs> and you might think they're April Fool's jokes. And they could be, but they're not. <laughs> or are they? Or are they? <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they're April Fool's jokes. But they're not April Fool's jokes. Yeah. Well, I guess we could start with one that's been pretty widely covered and in some retro circles and some yeah, other podcasts yeah. have been talking about this as well. I know we're kind of, we were going to talk about this last week, mm-hmm. but, um, I figured this would make a good news item for this week. Yeah. So, so what if I told you that there's going to be a new cartridge based game system coming out? Uh, you mean newer than the new 3DS? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would say impossible. Impossible. Who would who would make a cartridge based console in this year of twenty fifteen? Mm. Who would be daring and bold enough to do something like that? Um, I think the perhaps some of the people behind Retro Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think answer. it was that long ago where I asked the question: Who would be crazy enough to release a brand new magazine based on vintage games and in twenty thirteen? Was it twenty thirteen? Twenty fourteen? Uh huh. And and yet it and seems yet. to be uh, doing pretty well. Yep. So that's good news for us that are fans of these things. Yeah, yeah. So this is probably going to happen. It's it's definitely going to go into a Kickstarter phase. So we're talking about the Retro VGS. The Retro VGS. The Retro Video Game System, I'm assuming, is what that stands for. <laughs> I hope that's what it stands for. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is... Um, kind of been making the rounds and it's uh kind of interesting it's been getting a lot of uh mixed i would say mixed feedback mm-hmm. from people yeah of course because it is the online community it's a lot of negative feedback but right that's kind of i mean what everything is going to be negative these days so mm-hmm. so what do we know about this thing so far that we want to well kind of talk about yeah from what the interviews i've heard on like the all gen podcast and old other gen gamers old gen gamer yeah mm-hmm. was um mike kennedy said this is going to be cart based system at 150 to 180 dollars mm-hmm. it is not it is going to use and this is the the crazy part it's going to look like the atari jaguar mm-hmm. because it is using the same shell as the atari jaguar the actual molds were acquired yep the, yeah, so he acquired the molds. And are presumably going to be modified in some way to not have Atari branding on it, literally. And 
Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna buff out the Atari logo, mm-hmm. and the Eternals, of course, are gonna be different, all new, right? Yeah. So not the not the guts of the Jaguar, right? Yeah, that's different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna include two controllers that are not gonna be Jaguar controllers. Right. They're going to be these new hybrid analog digital. Yeah, and they actually got um, a design from uh, one of the third-party manufacturers that are out there. They're currently making an alternative to the Wii U Pro Controller. So it's literally going to be that same controller. And this controller is kind of a little wacky looking. It looks like a sort of like a... I guess PlayStation 4 type controller with the two analog sticks. Uh-huh. And then it looks like someone took an, a Super Nintendo controller and just slapped it like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like just glued it right on top. Yeah. It almost of. looks like fake, but mm-hmm. that's the design. So I'm not a huge fan of that design, but I'm not against it that much either. Like, mm-hmm. I never well, actually used it, so I don't know how bad it could be. Right. Well, this is. I. I believe uh, that's going to be the included controller, but yeah. but it is going to be a USB type of interface. So theoretically, you so might be able say, yeah. you might be able to use uh, another controller of your own choosing or preference. Yeah, they haven't discussed that yet. Mm-hmm. It is going to include one pack-in cartridge. We're talking old school cartridge that you have to, with your hand, pick up and put it, slam it down <laughs> into the machine. I remember those days. Remember those days. It was not long ago. No longer must you have to click mm-hmm. a button on your tablet or right. controller to download something. And I think we have a title for this uh, pack-in as well. It's actually called The Adventures of Tiny Knight. Oh, really? And this is being developed by Collector Vision. Yes. Uh, makers of many fine ColecoVision yeah, homebrews yeah. And, and conversions and so on. Um. And as an added bonus, I believe anybody who uh, goes in on the Kickstarter mm-hmm. at a certain level, there is going to be a Kickstarter for this yeah. machine starting up, um, uh, is going to get a gold version of that cartridge as the pack-in game. And then, I guess, future versions uh, will just have a standard cartridge instead. Pretty fancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's keeping in with the uh, retro tradition. Yeah. <laughs> Gold cartridge for the launch ver- launch versions. Yeah, uh, it's, he's saying that it's going to have three to five launch titles, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be a 2016 release, so it's not okay. this year. Sometime next year, mm-hmm. um, preferably before the Nintendo NX, <laughs> but we don't know for sure. I'm betting that's going to be the case. The games are supposed to be around twenty to forty dollars. That's that's what they're going for, right? Targeting. Uh... That's that's what he wants to target. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's going to be. Remember, it's going to be cartridge, and it's going to have a box. You know, fancy artwork and everything. Mm. He says right now about seventy interested devs making for this system. Um, it's going to be two D only. That's one of the goals for this thing. They don't want any three D graphics. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be in the era of. Sort of like the bridge the gap between the Sega Genesis and like the uh, PlayStation. That sort of time period. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the 32-bit 2D console that we never got. Almost. I see. Well, you know, it's uh, something about that phrase st- stood out to me, and and I thought, well, if anything, there was a con such a console. It's called the Sega Saturn. <laughs> that's well, yes and no. Like that's what I wanted the Saturn to be. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like they tried too hard to not be that. In a way, that was true. I, mean, I think so. You um, had like Clockwork Night, and uh, well, I mean, even that was had some three D yeah, elements that did to have it. Thing. Bug had three D, but um, but no, the Saturn always had that reputation of being a two D yes, powerhouse. Right. Like mm-hmm. it could handle, you know, there were a lot of great like conversions of nineties arcade games, two D games that made it onto the Saturn. Really, uh, particularly a lot of shooters. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. But but I've always thought of it as, as such. I always thought that like the Saturn had that place. Yes, it could do 3D. Yeah, there were plenty of 3D Sega arcade games mm-hmm. of that you know era that made it onto that system. But it would always it always felt like a bolt on feature. It never felt like it was you know truly built that way from the ground up, like the PlayStation. Um, yeah, I always felt like the Saturn was more comfortable doing 2D. But you know, uh, I can I can see how. Uh, a focus like that would work for a system like this, though. Um, I guess the other statement that kind of struck me a little odd was how, you know, modern systems are not optimized to do retro gaming. And I don't know, I always thought that was a little vague. Like, what what does that really mean exactly? Like, what what's requirement do retro games have that modern systems can't? kind of well, f- uh, step up to. So one of his arguments is the modern games don't have like instant load. Mm-hmm. You know, to play a game, you have to wait for it to download or install or whatever it needs to do. Mm. And because this is going to be the old school cartridge based, in theory, you know, he wants it to be that you just plug the card in, turn on the system, boom, you're in the game. Right. Sure. There is a certain level of instant gratification that comes from that. The problem is, can you do that on modern hardware? I'm not sure. We don't know yet. Technically, I'm sure some system could be devised. Because even the Retron 5, which kind of uses that same idea that, you know, it's modern hardware, but it's, you know, it's using old games. And that still has to download the ROM to, right. to the machine. Just because of the nature of the way they're doing the emulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's dumping, it's taking the time to dump the cartridge onto its yep. local storage. So yeah, that's um, that's a little bit of a wait time there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. And then there's you know people are saying uh, one of the arguments is well why would I, why would I buy a, well number one why would any developer make anything for this console because. You know, how many could they sell of this thing? You know, a couple of thousand mm. at best compared to the, you know, smartphone user base, which is like millions and millions, you know? Right, right. But um, they said that a lot of devs, even though like they're releasing these smartphone games, they're not making a whole lot of money compared to how many sure. downloads they're getting, you know, especially like on Android. So, um, with something like this, a developer, you know, selling a game for 20 to $40, they're going to get a bigger chunk of that than they will, you know, doing a, a free game with in-app purchase or, mm. you know, unless like you're one of those rare, like Crossy Roads games, which, you know, they make millions it off exploded of. It for that's some reason. That's one in a million. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, I mean, I am wondering what the potential audience for something like this is. How big do we think this is? Like what? What type of buyer does this appeal to? Well, all right. So, so the, because of its retro nature, I mean, it's really marketed towards the thirty-plus-year-old, probably. Um, maybe even maybe even forty. Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like collecting is kind of hot right now. 
you know, people are looking for old carts and stuff. Right. So, you know, he's kind of riding on that a little bit, too. And I don't know how long that's going to go for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that same audience of people who are looking for, like, Super Nintendo cards and NES cards are going to want to dive into this new platform. Mm-hmm. That's really tough to say. It's definitely got some um, nostalgic elements to it because, you know, growing up through that era, that's what we had to go through to acquire games. And that's part of the things we enjoyed about those games at the time was just having uh, a nice box, a nice manual. And, uh, you know, like it felt it, it was tangible. It felt like, you know, you had like you owned the game and you had a cartridge and that represented your ownership of the game. And nowadays, with all these downloads, it doesn't feel like you actually own anything. It's just a collection of files on a hard drive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe this is um, trying to, like, recapture that that era of having to go out, go to a store, or, you know, maybe mail order, um, acquiring a new cart that you can plug into your system and play right away. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to relate that to perhaps the homebrew market as it exists today yeah for for a lot of the old systems that we um mm-hmm. like to buy games for or used to play games on um and i'm sure they could probably gauge what the interest would be in something like this i mean uh, naturally the kickstarter is going to be almost like a vote on the system of whether there's enough people willing to buy it or put money into it um but I'm sure with Collector Vision being a partner, in a sense, mm-hmm. for the launch of this system, they could probably estimate or tell them, hey, here's the kind of interest that we get in our ColecoVision games, for example. Or he could talk to Atari Age people and say, what are your best-selling games? How many units do you shift? If they're willing to share that kind of information. Yeah. But it seems like they're, you know, these are the kind of guys that you would want to get in to... Um, you know, help market and promote and perhaps provide some games for your system. So, you know, I'm, I'm betting that they probably are talking to some of them to find out, like, what's our, you know, like, how many can you expect to sell? 5,000, 10,000 at best? I don't know. I think, I think during some of the discussions, um, Mike said he was thinking that, you know, if they sold between 20,000 and 50,000 even, of some titles that yeah. it would be, it would be enough incentive for those developers to want to come on board, especially if they stand to make, you know, twenty plus dollars at least per per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm just you know that's just one of those open questions in my mind, like how many how many people would really buy into this sort of thing? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's only we'll have to wait and see. Uh-huh. Well, here's all right. So my opinion is. Now, why would I? Well, number one, why would I spend twenty dollars on a game where I, that I, for a type of game you're talking about the retro style like pixel graphics games? Mm-hmm. When I just talked about seven that I played this week, right. and I probably didn't spend more than if I spent more than five dollars for all seven of those games, it's probably more than I should have paid. Mm-hmm. So now you know you're gonna try to sell me one of these games for twenty dollars or forty, you know, depending on the type of game is kind of a tough sell for the average person, I believe. It's got to be a really special game. We're almost getting accustomed to getting AAA games, like these monster Far Cry games and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. for like 20 bucks Mm -hmm. or even less. Like Titanfall was like $5, you know? 
Well, yeah, after after recently, after I know, many but months, it's not that old. You know, it's what is it a year old? Not even. And that was like one of the biggest games of last year. So, mm-hmm. um, that is going to be tricky. But then again, like you said, these companies are making these homebrew games. Um, you own a bunch yourself, right. and they're not cheap. They're you know forty, fifty, sixty dollars. Sure. And they do sell them, so you know that market is there. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's for everyone, right? I mean, and that's you know, it's 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 similar to um, you know those uh, those indie box games that we talked about a few weeks ago, where people are making uh, physical versions of indie yeah. of indie games, games that normally cost five dollars or less, but. Now you have a nice box, a nice manual, <clears throat> maybe some extras to go in the box, um, and really make it feel like some kind of special edition. You know, I, I don't know what the potential market for even those are. Even those are those, those you know are also kind of brand new games for for newer systems. But yeah. but nonetheless, you're still paying twenty five all the way up to sixty dollars for some of those. Yeah, they just to get mm-hmm. you know a version that has like an art book and all these other extras yep. in there. So you do see that trend for that type of collectability for these for download games. Definitely for the people that miss that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see a reason why you can't do both. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's good to have that, that option. If, you know, if you're the type that likes the convenience and wouldn't mind paying a little less for the games, then, you know, you, you, you have the digital option, but if you, do favor a more physical approach that's available as well, but it's going to come at a, an increased cost because that's that's part of what adds to the cost to these things mm-hmm. is just having all of those extras um, and you know plus shipping plus manufacturing and I know. all that, all that and, other stuff. And the, the Jaguar is a big console. It's it's not physically you know, the physically, case. It's big. Is, is a large. It's going to be a big box. It's not you know it's going to take hmm. up space. Right. It is going to be HDMI based, right? So we don't. I don't know if it's Android based or not. I don't. I don't believe so. Clear on that? What it's not going to be? Okay. The impression that I got was that they didn't want any kind of uh, heavyweight OS like that. Even though, you know, that's considered a a mobile OS. Nonetheless, there's still some some overhead involved. Um, They're looking to avoid that, Um, which you know even gets back to something like the PSTV. You know, I mean, there you have. A, a console that is commonly selling for seventy dollars now mm-hmm. plugs into your TV, um, takes cartridges, <laughs> but also does downloads. Uh, but it has a full OS, and games would have to get installed on that yeah. system. So it's not as simple as plug it in and go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess you know you mentioned the Jaguar shell. I, why don't we? touch on that for a second there now supposedly they went for this because it saved them a lot of money on the tooling they wouldn't have to develop a shell and come up with an original kind of a look for the system yeah um and at the same time i guess they're playing on the nostalgia of any kind of uh, attachment that people might have had for an atari system of the past um do you think it's a positive or a negative to have an association with the Jaguar in some way. Seeing the the type of market that he's going to probably sell this to, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, for me, like I never liked the Jaguar. I, I, I think it's not a great looking system to begin with. Just from a design I, point of view. Yeah, I'm just not a overall. I'm just never a fan of that. So mm-hmm. I have no like nostalgic feelings towards it at all. And I would almost rather see like a sleek small console, like something like you see like the um, like these Nintendo clones, mm-hmm. like little cubes that are very nice <laughs> that still take cartridges, but they're nice and small, and compact. Right. I'd rather almost see that as the console rather than taking mm-hmm. an existing form and just you know repainting it, rebranding it. Mm. But again, like I, I don't have that nostalgic feeling towards. Right. Yeah, I mean, by then Atari had a kind of a different reputation than what I associated with the the brand from the 2600 days. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess, you know, since this is appealing to kind of the retro community in a lot of ways, I think you've got a more informed potential customer. (laughs) They're not going to, nobody's going to mistake this. Well, you don't think someone's going to see it and be like, Oh, this is, well, the Atari was a piece of junk. Like, I guess this is, this is running the Atari Jaguar hardware. How good can this be? <laughs> maybe there's that, or maybe that risk exists. I, I don't know. I don't know. To some percentage of potential customers, but I would think the more people know about this, uh-huh. they're just, uh, they're not going to assume that it's an actual literal Jaguar. Um, well, it's not going to say Jaguar also. Right. If anything, they might think, oh, this is, uh, I saw this in my dentist's office. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've been hearing about that for a long time, and I never actually understood what that meant. Where, where's the piece that goes in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now apparently, it's got nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you think the price is reasonable? One fifty to one eighty? Is that? Uh, is that? It's, you feel? Does that feel about right? <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's it's a little above. I think the price point too for something mm-hmm. like this. But I, I mean, for me. If you're going to sell me on this thing, it has to be about exclusive games mm-hmm. and the packaging. Mm-hmm. Like, the packaging really has to sell me on this. And I'm I'm willing, I'm the type of person that will be willing to pay a little bit extra on something just because it's, like, a cool piece of artwork or the box is cool or just will look awesome on my shelf, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. So, um, you know, even at that, you know, 200 still a bit much, but... I think you expressed a preference for the type of box they should use, too, right? What type of box did I say? You, you, you mentioned... Oh, the, for the cartridges. The actual game game boxes. Well, I figure for the game boxes, I can see using that gatefold, like the first Atari 2600 uh-huh. series. Right. You know, and, and I figured that would be good because you can still open up your game and take the cartridge out and you still have the nice printed artwork. Yeah, it gives you more surface for more artwork. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all... I mean, uh-huh. to me, a lot of the money that's going to go into this is going to be for the art and the artwork. It's like, gonna this be stuff needs to have killer art. On the like, presentation. Reminiscent of, mm-hmm. like, the Konami stuff from the 80s and, you know, all the cool box art, you know, the Nintendo pixel artwork and mm-hmm. something to capture that feeling of... Yeah, well, I think I think when they get to the point where they're able to discuss what some of those software titles will be, mm-hmm. I think that will you'll see, you might see a shift there once once people know what kind of games are going to be on this, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of original titles, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of um, either adaptations or conversions or sequels to existing properties. He, if that's yeah, possible. I mean, he's trying to track down some of these original programmers for like Castlevania and all these other like mm-hmm. great 
Capcom and Konami games from the 80s and see if they'd be interested in making updated mm-hmm. sequels, maybe, of some of these games that, you know, maybe never got to the sequels they deserved. Hmm. You know, don't you want to play <clears throat> Super Duper Cobra? <laughs> Is that what you would call it? <laughs> Super Duper Cobra. I mean, we all played Super Cobra, right? Right. Was there ever a Cobra in the arcade? Um, I don't. I don't remember. No, I don't think so. How about um, even crazier climber? <laughs> uh, well, the controller will have Robotron thirty sixty four. We're just gonna move it ahead eighty years <laughs> yeah. for just. That'll like, tell you that it's a sequel. Sure, we'll see. Okay. I mean, once upon a time, you just put two thousand on everything, and I told you it was the future. That worked for a long time. But now we're past the year two thousand, so we can't do that anymore. Why not? It doesn't have it's the same retro though. Doesn't yeah. have the same ring to it. Oh. <laughs> so if I made Pac Man two thousand, do you think of that as a? I think of Faceball two. Remember Faceball two thousand? Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, so yeah, we'll keep an eye out and uh, see what comes of this next. I'm I'm excited for it. I want to see where it goes. I'm hoping it does well and interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a long shot to me, but hey, why not? Right. I didn't think the magazine was going to do it, meet its goals, but that did it and it's, mm-hmm. it's still doing well, so. Right. Who knows? Anything's possible. Maybe this is something we need, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe people, there's so much of these like tv download consoles and right maybe we need a change (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh well all right i guess uh i can ask another question at this point and say what if i told you that there was a new movie coming out okay i like movies uh they that stars adam sandler I don't like Adam Sandler. Go Kevin ahead. James. I don't really have any feelings towards him. Uh, Donkey Kong. I like Donkey Kong. And Pac-Man. I like Pac-Man. It sounds good. <laughs> two, two out of two so, is bad. So all of, all of these forces are going to be in the same movie together. Um, so, so yeah, this is um, Pixels, I guess, is going to be the title for this film. And um, So you're saying that someone gave Adam Sandler money to make a movie about Donkey Kong and Pac-Man? Mm, apparently so. Yeah. And this is going to be made for real. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was based on a short film that was out a couple of years back that featured just some cool special effects, basically, right? Like, I, what if, you know, like, yeah. uh, classic video games came to life and appeared in the city and... Did you watch that video uh-huh. on YouTube? I, I did look for it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it amazing how close it is to the the movie that's coming out. It, it is basically the exact mm-hmm. same concept. Yeah, they basically optioned the idea and turns it into this film. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if this is enough of a concept mm-hmm. to carry a whole movie, and um, I don't know if it's if the humor is going to carry over well. Well, this is the tagline. When aliens misinterpret video feeds of classic arcade games as a declaration of war, they attack the Earth in the form of the video games. Hmm. I'm skeptical already. (laughs) 
Well, I watched that trailer, and I have to say, it was very tough to watch it. Mm-hmm. The effects were cool. I liked the special effects, but um, you need more than that to, for a good movie these days. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess if you're an Adam Sandler fan, then this might be right up your alley. I don't know. <laughs> there seems to be plenty of people who like his movies. They seem to do well. Uh, I, don't know. I don't get it. I like some of his I, movies. I, I thought this was a joke. I saw that when I that trailer was popping up online. I'm like, this is definitely not a real thing. No, like, no way would they make a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Nintendo, they're not going to give the rights up for their characters. You know, impossible. And then this is it. This is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's coming out in like two months. <laughs> it's coming out on July 24th of 2015. So I guess keep an eye out for it if Eesh. it sounds like fun. Mm. <laughs> Are you going to go see it? I doubt it. No, me neither. I'm not going to yeah. get caught up in the hype, you don't think? Mm. No. Nah. Torrent. <laughs> this is a torrent? Nah, not, even. not even. Not even. <laughs> not even. Well, I, you know, when it, maybe when it's on cable or something. I'll uh, see what the final product will be. But <laughs> we've got another uh, story in the works. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, this gets bizarre, more and bizarre. Yeah, well, you decide if this sounds real or not. Okay. Um, Atari is going to launch an app yeah. called Atari Fit. Atari's not even in business. Well, the ghost of Atari. Okay. The zombie corpse of Atari. The same ones that have been harassing ah, Jeff Minter. Jeff Minter, yeah. Are, are now going to give you a means of playing some classic games, but you're going to have to work for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're going to have to do, I don't know, I guess you set your own exercise program. But basically, this is going to be a fitness app. And I guess through uh, hitting your goals and, you know, going through your routine, you're going to be able to unlock classic games such as Centipede and Pong and Breakout. So... Atari, somewhat like Apple, is getting in on the big fitness craze. Right. And they're doing so with their old Pong, Breakout, Centipede games. At least those, yeah. Mm. Sure. Now, it says here that the apps are developed by this company called 8-Bit Fit. Mm-hmm. Is this a real company? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Sounds made up. <laughs> Well, they're, 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 allegedly their goal is to gamify fitness. That's what they... Gamify fitness. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, you know, maybe that's what people need in their workout routines, to have a goal in mind. Mm. You want to you set a goal and try to hit, to, mm. to hit it, therefore you can, you know, get some games out of it. Atari Fit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess if Atari really was or still around today, they probably would be trying to do something like this. I would not put this past them. Um, uh, you think so? Anything is possible. You know, Atari did release watches not too long ago. I believe you have one that you <laughs> featured on our show. That's right. At some point, or that's right. But it didn't have any fitness features. No, it did not. Mm-mm. It was it was a fossil watch, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Officially by fossil. So sure. It's not their first watch. Right. And it's not their first app, but it is their first fitness app, maybe? Mm-hmm. They had that brainwave thing, right? That they were <laughs> going to come out with, and they... 
Yeah, I remember seeing that. Hundred, and they just never. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Atari always on the cusp of modern technology. <laughs> All right. Well, if you don't buy into Atari doing this, then what do you say about uh, Paula Dean? Do you know that name, Paula Dean? <laughs> Paula Dean. Paula Dean, uh, formerly of the Food Network, <laughs> yeah. has a game that comes in the form of an app, apparently. Um, and I guess uh, it's it's called Paula Dean's Recipe Quest. Mm, and it's some kind of puzzle game that allows you to unlock recipes. If being fit is not your thing, <laughs> then maybe you want some recipes for cake so, all right, or so I don't know cupcakes much, or dessert. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know much about Paula Dean, but I remember she said some kind of racist stuff not so long ago, right? There were some controversial and things that came kinda, out of her. Yeah. yeah. And she's mm-hmm. kind of known for like using a lot of butter, right? <laughs> is that, is that sort of her thing? I don't think either of those things are going to be elements in this game. Okay. I'm betting <laughs> that those things are going to be, uh, you know, Untouchable subjects. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we haven't seen her a lot on TV or anything, so she's probably been slaving on the computer, like, learning code and putting together these apps, right? She's declared herself a gamer. Mm-hmm. And how she's, um, you know, never without her iPad. She says it. In quotes, I am a gamer at heart, and I never leave home without my iPad. Right. Because every true gamer thinks that way. Yeah, yeah. So this, this. I mean, I saw some some videos of this game, mm-hmm. and it looks like, um, you know, typical match three type of puzzle action. Um, and apparently, you work to unlock v- recipes and so on. I mean, it, it supposedly does have that hook where it leads you to an actual recipe. Um, but I think you might have to pay to watch a video of how to make it. Uh-huh. I think you get the recipe for free, but if you want a video, you have to pay for it. I'm not really sure what the what the whole there is deal some kind here of, is. Yeah, yeah. But that's basically how it makes money because it is a free app. It says collect all the recipe cards as you complete each recipe puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's delicious fun, y'all. That's what it says. Is that your uh, Paula Dean impression? <laughs> I don't know who Paula Dean is, so maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't know we were going to get an impression. <laughs> I'm just reading her quote. <laughs> Well, as unlikely as this seems, this uh, is meant to be a true story. I'll leave it to this is crazy. the listener to decide if that's actually the case. Um, now, we've got another story here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> researchers have found a way to uh, combat motion sickness. Really? In... In gaming, um, I guess off, turn off the 3D. It could be one step. Okay. Um, I guess even with you know with VR being like a big deal these days, mm-hmm. uh, we're hearing about a lot of new VR products coming out. Um, apparently, you know, it being more realistic and so on leads to some motion sickness from people. Um, so they found out they found an interesting way to combat this. Yeah, how's that? <laughs> Through the use of virtual nose technology. Hmm, okay. That explained <laughs> virtual nose. Now, this is Purdue University. Mm-hmm. Who's beyond this? Okay. Right, right. Well, apparently, uh, by creating um, uh, the graphics of a nose in the center of your view field in, mm-hmm. the, in whatever 
you know, gaming or virtual reality activity you're, you're involved in uh, kind of gives your brain a frame of reference so that it sort of counteracts the motion sickness that you might get from just experiencing it straight up. Okay, so an example would be like you're playing Doom and uh, the version without motion sickness would be Doom, but you see uh, an outline of a nose in the center of the screen. Perhaps. Okay. Well, I mean, typically you see your like weapon a, in the center. Right. And it bobs back so, and forth. So the center of the weapon would be your nose. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Nasum virtualis is uh, <laughs> what I've seen this labeled as. Maybe Sega needs to come back and bring the virtual nose. <laughs> Maybe that will be their next big return. Virtual nose, huh. Yeah. Who was that 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 rapper guy in the nineties who did the Humpty Dance? Didn't he have that like fake nose all the time? Uh, did like the Humpty? Dance? This sounds familiar. I'm not I an expert. That guy. No, I know I'm not either. I just remember that <laughs> my friends were into that stuff back then. Uh-huh. Doesn't this kind of remind you of of the Jerk, the movie The Jerk, with the, with the glasses? Uh, the <laughs> opti grab was in the center <laughs> of the glasses, right? But the problem with that was is that it, it caused. Uh, you know, most of the people that used it to get cross-eyed or something like that. And then they sued for damages and put the company out of business. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. It's a great movie. I love this. Finding show, the virtual nose, allowed people to use Tuscany Villa simulation to play an average of 94.2 seconds longer without feeling sick, while those playing the roller coaster game played an average of 2.2 seconds longer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they... So they did some testing, and they, they had peop, some people play it with the nose, and then other people <laughs> without the nose. And they didn't tell the people with the nose that mm-hmm. there was going to be a nose there. They didn't, like, point it out to them. Yeah. It just kind of... They just kind of went with it. Mm. And they found that without any additional co- coaching or interference or anything like that, that the group that had the nose felt more at ease and more comfortable. And um, Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, apparently, you know, like, you, you obviously have a nose within your field of vision, but you just kind of don't really notice it. Hmm. It's one of those things. Hmm. Your brain is sort of tuned to... I am having a hard time believing this story. Yeah. So, I guess, um, believe it or not, is it a true story or not? Hmm. <laughs> well, I don't think it can get any weirder than that. Are you sure? Hmm. <clears throat> Maybe. Um, have you, uh, are you familiar with the term swatting, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, that's in the summer when I have, when I leave the trash out and the flies start coming in. Oh, really? Like, <clears throat> when too many mosquitoes come around the barbecue, you need to... to yeah, so I start, like, swatting. <laughs> take action, huh? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is a whole different thing. Well, what does swatting mean to you? What is this? Well, this is an unfortunate... Uh, thing that um, happened recently at uh, uh, you know the digital press store that we hmm. that we frequent. At least this is the common theory at the moment. Is that uh, basically it was a hoax that was called in? Um, you know, basically creating some kind of uh, false uh, criminal activity happening at the site to elicit a response from law enforcement. Um, and we saw firsthand how that went down, right? Yeah, so it was at the uh, uh, the monthly gamer get together, right? You know, classic gamer, 
And uh, we call it Nava. Mm-hmm. So there are about 40 of us there, you know, give or take a few. Sure. And uh, the cops started showing up, and one thing led to another, and before we know it, we were in handcuffs. Yeah. Pretty (laughs) weird. Uh, I mean, at first we thought, there must be something going on next door. We better stay inside, we'd better not go out there, because... There must be some kind of commotion happening. And that was the word that was kind of spreading. Well, the word was there was a gunman on the loose, possibly, or possibly holding someone hostage at a store on the block. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to lock the door, and some of us were hanging out in the basement just because it felt safer down there. Right. Um, and we didn't really know what was going on. Um, then that was kind of how it went went down. Kind of took the story at kind of, you know, face value, what we heard, and we said, all right, let's, uh, basement seems to be a safer place. Um, we would peek outside, and we saw the, the cops, you know, out front, we figure we're safe. I'm like, oh, it's probably pretty bad out there, you know? Yeah, let's just... <laughs> Better not go outside. <laughs> keep a low profile and, you know, wait for this to blow over. Yep. And, um, sure enough, uh, given enough time, we found out that the store itself was, uh, kind of the center of the uh, yes. police uh, attention. Apparently we were, yeah, that store was the target. Mm-hmm. Apparently someone called in. They said that there was uh, a gunman in the store. Possibly someone was wounded from gunshot wounds. Right. And that we were all being held hostage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so <clears throat> the cops, of course, not knowing if this was true or false, had to somehow make their way into the store and apprehend everyone for interrogation and to see if there was actually any criminal activity. So from what I understand happened, um, you know, once that sort of became obvious, um, you know, our friend Joe, this owner of the store, um, you know, reached out to authorities and said, you know, this is not what's happening here. Um, We've probably got some kind of a false alarm, but obviously police have to, they don't know that from their perspective. They don't know what's going on inside the store. They're going to have to come in and, Secure the location, you know, get everyone out and, and find out what, what's actually going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were in the basement. We heard, we didn't really hear anything, you know, too loud or anything happening upstairs. But one by one, we kind of got word that, hey, you know, we're going to have to slowly come out of the, <laughs> come out of the basement to the, to the top of the steps. And um, what was your experience when that happened? Well, let me read a quote from uh, CBS, Valerie Castro, who was on the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a quote from someone on the scene. One by one, we came out with our hands up. There were cops with shields and machine guns. They did pat-downs. They did zip ties or handcuffs. Do you know who said that quote? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> you actually talked to one of the reporters, I, I was right? quoted, yeah. I was actually quoted on CBS. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny to see my name there. Yeah. Well, they got your name right, too. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, I mean, I got to the steps in the, you know, coming coming up from the basement, looked up yeah. the steps, and I saw, like, a flashlight, and I saw... Oh, the light was super bright. I couldn't see anything. I saw, um, uh, you know, it looked like a riot shield being held up, and I mm. saw... Yeah, it was about the size of the Probably gun. some weaponry being brandished. He's, like, completely covered. And it's always funny, like... So the guys were, had like this the, the beige camouflage on, mm-hmm. which is like why why wear camouflage? Like there's no what do you 
You're you're in like a, a depart, you know a store. Like, shouldn't you be camouflaged as like brick or something? <laughs> well, like urban you're not in the desert. Well, you're urban urban, urban camouflage is typically beige or something like that to match the like match what you match like brick face or something. <laughs> That's weird. Should have like he should have an outfit full of like game boxes. Uh, <laughs> well, this isn't this isn't chameleon uh, armor or something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean we were we were. Patted down and searched and cuffed and taken taken next door to the laundromat. Yeah, well, so I, when I went up the stairs, so they they ask you what's in your pockets. Um, I had my my handbag on me. I had my phone in my jacket in case they confiscated my bag. I was going to make sure I had my phone on me mm-hmm. in case I had to make a run for it. Because I still don't even know who these. I don't, I don't even know if these guys are really cops. Who knows? You know, you don't well, know the truth. That's I guess that's so. True. I'm still like not knowing what's going on, and then. He made me walk backwards outside from the into the back door of the store. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk forwards. I couldn't see what I was doing because they shine a light in your face. And I go outside, and then he does another pat down a couple of times. And then I got to a point where they, cause they walked you over to the laundromat. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, I had my hands up still. And he goes, okay, get on your knees. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking to myself, this isn't good. <laughs> like, why am I getting on my knees outside? Like, this is, this sounds really bad. And then the next thing I know, he's like, okay, put your hands behind your back. And now I'm thinking, like, I, I don't even know if these guys are cops. I, this doesn't, this sounds horrible. And he puts cuffs on my hands. And I'm think now I'm thinking, holy like, crap, maybe there's something in my bag. Mm. Like, is there something in my bag? Like, did they find something? Like, am I going to get arrested now for something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why am I being handcuffed? So, so, like, at this point, I'm starting to get a little nervous. But then, um... At that point, he he picked me back up, and then we walked inside the laundromat, and there's like forty of us all handcuffed, <laughs> sitting on the floor. <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, all right, I guess they're just like, this is just what they do. This is part of their. But they didn't tell you anything the whole time. It's right. it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was kind of surreal, but I figured. And people well, had different experiences. So like, mm-hmm. I had like. Just as little things like I had metal handcuffs. A lot of people had plastic zip ties, right. which apparently were pretty tight on a lot of people and mm-hmm. left a couple some marks on their hands. Right, right. And we were right behind each other, and then we got separated too. So some people didn't have coats on. And it was like fourteen degrees outside. It was freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen next. We didn't know that we were going outside. We didn't know. Nope. Um, what I, went down? I still thought the gunman was in the, on the loose. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to take us to a safe place. And the next thing I know, I'm being handcuffed. I'm like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, this doesn't feel very safe Yeah, I anymore. thought we were being evacuated because there was a still threat yeah, to yeah. the building next door. Um, and it's not until a bit later that we got kind of the f- more of the story. Really? Not until they released us. Yeah. They didn't really say anything. They didn't really hold us long. I'd say no more than half an hour, really. But people were in there a good hour before we... We were the last yeah, people. Yeah, true. Because we stayed in the basement, so... Uh-huh. They evacuated. They made people who were... Um, the first people they took out, they made them crawl on their knees from the store to the laundromat. hmm Which is crazy. Yeah. I don't know what part of the procedure that... That's that covers, but I, I, you know, I guess it's it's good to know <laughs> what people are subjected to when when this something like this goes down. Um, I didn't I didn't personally experience that. I, I walked over. I was I was escorted over the whole time. Pretty much, my my hands were 
restrained until I was cuffed, and then I was held, you know, handed over to to um, from one officer to the next until I was brought into the building too next mm-hmm. door. Um, but after we were released, we were able to go about our business. We went right back into the store and yeah, no, like I was thinking, oh, I guess we'll go home now. And then I look and like everything's back to normal. Every within the, seconds, the whole store is still like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, full. I guess we'll hang out. Yeah. So now <laughs> we're resumed family. after that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like st- nothing ever happened. Stayed a couple more hours and yeah, pretty bizarre evening. It was it was bizarre because. It was a sort of a um, send away for Joe, who runs that store and mm-hmm. the monthly meetups. Right. So it didn't kind of go as planned. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, it was, that's an adventure. Um, sure, I guess. I mean, I certainly could have done without it, after all. <laughs> but. <I suppose. laughs> But um, I'm glad no one was hurt, even though I know, that was clearly. Because. That was clearly the intention of whoever. Yeah, yeah called this in was, was to cause some all some, you needed was one wrong thing to happen mm-hmm. either someone freaking out or you know someone resisting arrest or anything could go wrong and then sure. you could have had a totally different scene yeah miscommunication anywhere yep. along the way yep would have uh made things a lot uglier but mm-hmm. um hopefully whoever's uh responsible is comfortable knowing that they're wanted now so we'll see so why don't you do it <laughs> hey now <laughs> this part is not april fools <laughs> but yeah maybe maybe this is an elaborate prank i don't know or maybe somebody had an axe to grind mm. um we don't really know either way but i'm hoping the story comes out eventually yeah go read about it it's it's on the news i can't believe it made <laughs> national news it's crazy <laughs> Yeah. So, that's kind of... So, all these stories were true, uh, we think. I'm putting it out there that these were all true. No, no, no. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. If anybody has any doubts, they can let us know. Okay. Where would they do that? You can contact us (laughs) on obbfeedback at gmail.com or reach us on the Facebook page. At our Broken Bites. At Broken Bites, yeah. And we have a big show next week, because um, we are, are going to talk with Masahiro Sakurai from Super Smash Brothers. Really? Because they are going to be adding a uh, Brooklyn Brawler character to Smash Brothers. Wow. Yeah, so next week, I, yeah, we're going to have the scoop next week. We'll be talking more about it. I didn't see this contract come in. Well... Wow, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, I don't know. Impressive. That was in between all my gaming, you know, I get a lot of things done yeah, in a week. Yeah, very good. Yeah, broken brawler. Hmm. Pretty cool. I'll be on the lookout. Yep. <laughs> well until next time. Yeah. Uh have a good week. Later. Later.